What would you say if someone said to you that the biggest problem in your marriage was you? Well, maybe you'd get angry, maybe you'd have some other emotion, maybe you'd be shocked. But I want you to think about that for just a second. If somebody asked me that question, I would say, it depends on who said it to me. I mean, not everybody wishes me well, not everyone likes me, go figure. Not everyone knows me well enough to offer an informed opinion. And there's always those people who believe that their spiritual gift is being critical of other people. But wouldn't it be sad if there was no one in your life that knew you well enough to say the hard things to you? I mean, someone who loves you and has your best interest at heart, who in a kind way will tell you the truth, can be a great gift. Why? Because we don't know it all. We're not good at everything. We have blind spots. And that can refer to personal growth, but it also refers to discipleship. We have blind spots, but we all need to grow. We need to grow to be the people that God gifted us and created us to be. But more importantly, we need to grow in our relationship to Jesus and our love for and obedience to God. So this is a story this morning about someone investing in someone else. So we're going to read from Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 41. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me and I'll give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple ones, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. And if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. So this is such a human and relatable story. No matter whether you place yourself in Moses' father-in-law, Jethro's position, or in Moses' position, we kind of get this. I mean, here's Moses, arguably the most important person in the Old Testament, and he's not living a sustainable life. He's got no work-life balance, but he doesn't see it 
or know what to do about it if he does see it. And I think at one level or another, we have all had at least moments like that. We know that something isn't quite right, but we can't quite put our finger on it. And then there's Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. He looks at Moses, his son-in-law, someone he loves, and thinks, I gotta help him before he kills himself. And we've all been there too. We look at other people that we care about, friends, family, coworkers, other people around, and we think, they need some help. I think I may be able to help them. And it's that relationship, a person who needs some help and a person who can offer some help, that's the context of the story and of the sermon series that we're doing too. We're talking, as we were talking about focus at the beginning of the year, now we're talking about three, two, one. So it's three people who do not yet know Jesus and we begin to invest in them. It's two people who already know Jesus and we can help them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And then today we're looking at our ones, one person who speaks truth into our lives and helps us become more like Jesus. So let's unpack this story from Exodus a little bit. So Moses gets up in the morning and he goes to work. And work ends up being from dawn to dusk. And the entire time he's listening to people's disagreements and deciding who's right. And then he's also teaching them about God's laws. Dawn to dusk, constantly listening to people and their arguments and their problems, that's a heavy schedule and that's a heavy responsibility. So why does he do it? What else is he supposed to do? And that's kind of what you hear in Moses' voice in verse 35. Well, because the people come to me. So what else am I supposed to do? And his father-in-law looks at him and says, what you're doing isn't good. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to get frustrated. And it's too much for one person to do. Because Moses is blind to his own limitations and the physical limitations of what he's doing. Him being in charge of judging everybody, it's not scalable. And he's assuming that God's justice and the administration of that is all on his shoulders. And his father-in-law looks at that and says, that's not sustainable. It's bad for you to be working this hard and it's bad for them too. It's not efficient for either one of them. There's another way to do this. It's like there's two things that you're trying to do. You're trying to be the judge and you're trying to be the teacher. So you be the teacher and let other people be the judge. And I love this because then in verse 23 it says, and by the way, this is God's will, so you should do this. So now Jethro has laid out what the problem is. You're going to kill yourself and the model is not sustainable. And he's taken the critical next step. He offers a solution. So thus adding the word constructive to the phrase constructive criticism. So there's several things that Jethro brings to this conversation with Moses. The first thing that he brings is perspective. Jethro stands outside from the situation a bit. And so he can see things that Moses can't see because he's slightly removed. And his slightly removed perspective means that he's able to identify the problem that Moses can't. And sometimes that's really helpful. Sometimes we are so close to what the issue is, we don't even see it anymore. Like several times in the past, we actually on a Sunday morning have brought in a secret worshiper. Somebody who is not, uh, doesn't know anything about our church. And we're like, start from the street 
and give us feedback about everything. It's one of the reasons why years ago we changed the signage. And have you ever wondered why on the entrance from the gathering place we literally painted worship center on the wall? The reason is because we got feedback from people who were visiting. It said, we don't know where to go. I mean, I remember standing at a funeral, uh, before a funeral one day, at the outside gathering place doors, and a person came in, and I said, welcome, just go right in. And they looked at me and looked around and said, where do I go? And so that's one of the things. You know where the worship center is, but if you walked in this property from the gathering place, it's not super obvious. We never would have seen it, but somebody else did. They brought a different perspective. So Moses is just doing his thing because he can't even see anymore that there might be a different way to do it. And that's the other thing that Jethro brings. First of all, he brings perspective, and then he brings creativity. Moses couldn't see any other way that it could be done. He was completely uncreative. Here's the problem, here's the solution, and he quit looking for anything else. I mean, I know that most of the time, people only know what they know. And so it's easy to not know anything else because you don't know that. We have to be shown that there's a different way that might even be better than the way we have always done it. So it's just very human to go, here's the problem, here's how we've always done it, and lack creativity. But Jethro brings some creativity to the situation. There's another way to do it. The next thing that I think that Jethro brings is that he doesn't come with false humility. Jethro realizes that he has something to offer here. Sometimes, like Angela was saying last week, you just need to see how you can help in a situation. Maybe it's not immediately apparent, but somebody can help connect the dots for you and help you realize that you can help. If you've successfully run a business, if you've raised kids who are decent people, if you've been a teacher for 20 years, if you've held your marriage together, if you'd testify that knowing Jesus has made a difference in the trajectory of your life, you've got something to offer. And Jethro realizes that he can't. He might not be the world's authority on organizational development, but he's got something to offer, and so he does. The next thing that I think that uh, Jethro offers is that he watched and he listened and he learned. And I think that's so important. Too many times I hear, let me tell you what you need to do, when somebody has just barely broached the subject. And then the person goes on, and as I listen, I'm sitting there going, that you have no context for the advice that you're offering because you didn't ask any questions, you didn't listen, you're just offering knee-jerk advice. That's not what Jethro does. Jethro watches for a day to see what the issue is. And then after he had watched and listened and learned, that's when he offered a solution to Moses. The next thing that he has is he has a relationship with Moses. Most of us don't want to hear unsolicited advice from somebody that we don't know. A one or a mentor is someone who is invited into a relationship. And that's way different than when someone you don't know offers you parenting advice at Costco. So Jethro offers these things to Moses, and now Moses is faced with a choice. He can listen, or he can do things the way he has always done it and hope for different results, which sounds ridiculous, except we do it all the time. What's at stake in the decision that Moses has to make? Well, Moses might have to admit 
that he's not good at everything. He might have to admit that he doesn't have all the good ideas. He might have to acknowledge that he doesn't have all of the answers and that he can't do everything. So ego could really get in the way here. I'm Moses for crying out loud. Do you know who I am? By the way, that question never elicits a positive response. It's either no or who cares. In Margaret Thatcher's immortal words, being powerful is like being a lady. If you have to tell people you are, you aren't. But something else is also at stake, and that's the plan and purpose of God. Because Moses might be missing what God has for him. But Moses says, I've identified what God wants. And Jethro looks and says, yeah, not so much. So there's a lot at stake. And if he's going to make a good decision, Moses has to have a couple of important things himself. He has to have a sense of humility. He has to recognize that he can't do it all, that he's not good at everything, and that's okay. Because I don't know too many things that are sadder than someone who can't acknowledge that they aren't good at something, but they keep doing it anyway. So Moses has to bring a little bit of humility to the table. And he also has to have a sense of openness to solicit feedback and then respond to it. Now, Moses didn't exactly solicit feedback, but he took his father-in-law to work with him. So it's implicit. So now Moses has to make a choice. He can listen or he can do things the way they've always been done and hope for different results. So what choice does Moses make? He does what Jethro suggests. And the result is that he maximizes his skills. He makes the organization more efficient. And most importantly, he makes himself ready to be used by God for God's plans and purposes. If you read on, the next chapter in Exodus is when the Ten Commandments are given on Mount Sinai. I don't think that's an accident. I think Moses had to be clear on what was his to do and what wasn't his to do before he could live into what God had for him. In other words, I wonder if Moses hadn't made this choice if the Ten Commandments would have been given next. Things had to happen in Moses' life first before God could use him the way that he wanted to. And because of this, all of Western civilization has changed. And the people have very recently been released from slavery in Egypt. And I read a really great quote, and I went back and I looked, and I cannot find who said it, but it's really good. But for the sake of accountability, I'm just going to make the note that it was said by someone who isn't me. Historically, deliverance from oppression was often followed by new forms of bondage. Scripture tells the story of another possibility, rule by law rather than by force. In other words, typically, people generally jump out of the frying pan into the fire. But God changes that. And instead of bringing them out of slavery to a different type of slavery, he brings them into a, a situation where they're really liberated by God's just laws. This happens because Moses is humble enough to accept somebody speaking truth in his life. And this is one of the greatest gifts of Judaism to the civilized world. An author named Thomas Cahill wrote a series of books that I really enjoyed. And one of them was called The Gift of the Jews. 
And this is a picture of that. And it goes through and talks about how Western civilization was changed because of the law that was given on Sinai and the way that the Jews lived into that. So the world was changed because Moses let someone speak truth into his life. And that's why we think having someone who speaks truth into your life is so important because we're not good at everything. We don't always have the perspective we need. Sometimes we lack creative solutions. Sometimes we need someone to tell us the truth. Now, immersing ourselves in the Jesus story in Scripture is key, but we need to read the Scriptures with someone. We need people to help us understand it and apply it. We need people who can show us how to live it. One of uh, the most successful businessmen in uh, the United States and a great business guru, Max Dupree, one time wrote, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. We need people to help us define the reality of our lives. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus shows us the reality of who we are and who he's calling us to be. And that's one of the things about discipleship or following Jesus. It calls for truth. The truth calls for a conscious choice to put aside our old priorities. The biblical language for this is to die to ourselves and to take on God's priorities. The biblical language for this is to be raised in new life in Christ. One of the most interesting things we ever did was to start talking about significance. Many people in our congregation, by the time we hit 40, have been pretty successful financially in our chosen careers. So you've got the money, you've got the careers, you've got the lifestyle, but you also realize, in many cases, there must be more. So how will you know if you've been successful in life, if it isn't all about the money and the career? What does success really look like? And what does success really look like for you? One of the a priori assumptions that I bring to this and the experience of a lot of us is that following Jesus is the best course if you want to have a successful and significant life. If you want to have a healthy marriage, if you want to have strong relationships, if you want a deep sense of joy, if you want to know God, this is what you need to do, invest in following Jesus. And that will help redefine success. Because I think success is about loving God and following Jesus, which leads to healthy key relationships and leads to living life generously and investing in helping people and looking into how God can use us for his plan and purposes. But in order to do this, we need examples. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So when it comes to ones, there are two questions. Who can you follow as they follow Christ? And who can follow you as you follow Christ? So the one relationship can look like several different things. It can be a traditional mentor relationship where you sit with somebody who's further along than you are and they pour into you. It can be a spiritual friendship between two people who are relatively the same place in their discipleship. It can even be several people who commit together to openness and honesty, who will follow and lead both at the same time. 
So it might be taking an existing group that you're meeting with a couple of other guys, a couple other women, and kicking it to another level. And for some of our small groups that have met for a long time, maybe that's a great challenge for you. Maybe you've fallen into a rut of really spending more time on surface level things, or maybe Bible um, study that really has no practical application. I, I belonged to a really great men's Bible study for a while, really good guys, and most of the people wanted to go deep, just wanted to talk about real life stuff. But we had a couple of people that every time it started to go down would bring it immediately back up to the surface. And it just didn't do what it could have done. And I wonder how many times we spend in our Bible study groups or our small groups so much time just on surface stuff where we could take it deeper. Another challenge is if you've been around the church for a long time, if you've been a Christian for decades, it's possible that you've fallen into a rut. So I want to challenge you. How are you growing as a follower of Jesus? Are you growing? Well, how can you tell if you're growing? Well, how's your level of peace? What's the quality of your key relationships? How filled with hope are you? If there are positive answers to those, you're probably doing okay. But if you're not having those things, you might want to reevaluate. So my challenge to you is to take it out of neutral and to start growing again. Engage someone else and share your life with them. Angela did a great job last week of laying out what's required when she said uh, we require faithfulness, availability, and teachability. So faithfulness, just to go over it again, is to be filled with faith. I mean, Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. You don't have to be perfect, but you've got to get off the spiritual couch and be moving forward. And then also be dependable, to follow through in the relationships. Next is to be available, to have the time to hang out, but also open to a vulnerable relationship with somebody else where you might have to talk about some real stuff that you might not be that good at. And teachable, open to growing yourself. A lot of this is just going to be about life experience. Jethro shares out of his life experience. So maybe your life experience is how to be a cop who follows Jesus, who can mentor another cop who's trying to follow Jesus. Maybe it's how to navigate the school district as a person of faith and pouring into other teachers. Maybe how to be an ethical business person. There's tons of people that you could mentor with that. Or maybe just like with Angela's example last week, being available to hang out with a young mom or a young dad and just be present during a difficult time. Where the rubber meets the road is going to be in starting a relationship. Some of you can think of someone that you can ask to mentor you. Some of you know who you could mentor. Others of us are going to need some help, and we want to help. We can help you find a mentor, or we can help you find someone to mentor. We'll kind of be your dating app for the one relationship. We'll also provide some training. If you're like, I think I can do this, I'm not being falsely humble, but I just really need some confidence, we want to come alongside and give you some ideas about how you can confidently be a mentor. So you can let us know how we can help you. If you're looking for a one, or if you would like to be a one, or if you'd like to have some training, you can do all of that by heading to our website, and there will be a form there that you can fill out, and we'll contact you, and we'll help. And then you'll also get a link in the email that Matt will send out this week. And I hope you'll all take the challenge. So let me ask you a couple of questions. 
In your heart of hearts, what does success in life look like to you? Number two, who knows you well enough to tell you the truth and help you grow as a follower of Jesus? And number three, what is one step you can take this week to find a one or to be a one? Hi, thanks for watching. The people of Harbor Covenant Church really want you to know the love that God has for you, want to grow with you in faith, and want to serve alongside you, not only to help others do the same, but also to make our families and our communities better. If that sounds like something that you can get on board with, then like, follow, and drop us a comment in the video. Watch some more videos on our channel or come visit us on Sunday. You can find out more about Harbor Covenant Church at harborcove.church.